time for the Vintage Truth Podcast with best-selling author and Bible teacher, Jeff Kinley. Hey, welcome to the Vintage Truth Podcast. I'm Jeff Kinley, and it's a say, cold and misty February day up here in the Ozark Mountains. And hey, I'm asking for prayer because I am um, leaving for the Philippines in May. Uh, to teach over there at the International Graduate School of Leadership, and I'm trying to raise about $2,500 to cover my plane costs and uh, just travel costs and some other incidentals and that type of thing. So just appreciate you guys praying for that. And um, hey, listen, uh, we're talking in uh, this podcast today, uh, beginning to talk about how to be a good sheep to Jesus. You know, Jesus calls us sheep. And, you know, people pointed out that's not really a flattering term, but it is an endearing term because a shepherd loves his sheep. You know, I've spent some time over in England and Wales, and one time I was over there a few years ago, and my host pastor took my wife and I on sort of a day trip into the Black Mountains of Wales, beautiful countryside over there. And while we're winding our way through these back roadways of that beautiful ancient land over there we crested a hill and came upon a shepherd herding his sheep across the road which was really no wider than about a car and a half and coming to a stop we we rolled down our windows and we wanted to get a better look and there's the old farmer out there outfitted with a wooden staff these welly boots on a tweed jacket and a hat to match and he was dutifully guiding his flock across the rural lane Accompanied with him was a border collie, which was really cool, this loyal collie. And then the man glanced in our direction and then suddenly let out a whistle. And when he did that, the entire flock of sheep began scurrying across the road. He whistled again, this time a slight variation on his whistle. And the entire herd once again turned through a gate and into a fenced pasture with the border collie assisting. I remember being amazed at that scene, how easy and effortless it all seemed for the shepherd. Just a whistle, the slightest sound from the man's mouth, and dozens of ewes and lambs and rams obediently navigated their way to greener meadows. You know, one of the most picturesque things that Jesus says about us is that we are his sheep. And once again, Jesus displays his brilliance in effective communication. You see, Jesus' generation understood this whole world of shepherds and sheep. They were plentiful in his day and culture. And so drawing upon that familiar way of life, the Lord beautifully illustrates the pastoral role that he plays in our lives. So after describing himself as the door of the sheep or the only way to God, he continues And he says in John 10, he says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And later he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. But instead of whistling at us, the Lord personally says, says he calls his own by name and leads them out. Wow, what a Savior. You know, when we think about this intimate connection that Jesus has with us, there's so many facets to it. There's no way to point them all out in one podcast, but they're all for our benefit. 
I mean, as the shepherd, Jesus is our protector, even to the point of laying down his life for us, which of course he willingly did at the cross. But he's also our provider, leading us to still waters and to rich green pastures, giving us a life that according to John 10.10 is truly abundant and satisfying. That is in part why he is the good shepherd. He only desires what is best for us because he knows us and he loves us. He is, as the Bible says, the great shepherd of the sheep. But, you know, according to Scripture, there are other shepherds as well that we sheep have. They're under shepherds, if you will, of the great shepherd, those to whom God has entrusted the care of his people. We call them pastors. A pastor or an elder is one to whom a certain responsibility of oversight is given in the church. And, of course, implicit within that role and responsibility is the duty to teach and to preach the word of God, to feed the sheep, as Jesus told Peter at the end of John. In fact, that's the primary way that a pastor shepherds his flock. That's a primary way that a pastor shepherds the church. The church, which Paul calls the pillar and the foundation of the truth. You see, in this fallen world that we live in, the church... The body of Christ is what primarily upholds, supports, and defends God's revelation to mankind through Christians' godly presence in the world and, and the, the Holy Spirit that's indwelling us. We are currently preventing a tidal wave of sin, depravity, and chaos from hitting Earth's shores. You say, Jeff, it's pretty bad out there as it is. That's right. Imagine what's going to happen when God removes the restraining influence of the Holy Spirit through his church at the rapture. A tidal wave of depravity will flood the earth and the United States. So being a pastor is a sobering responsibility because if you're called a pastor, and I was a pastor for some 30 years, you must understand what an honorable yet serious task it is to lead God's people. And so that's why Paul, when he wrote to young Timothy, he reminded him of the gravity and necessity of his duty before God. And he urged Timothy to do several things, which, which I believe is also the responsibility of every Christian, every individual Christian. He says this, and Timothy says, Timothy, be constantly nourished on the words of the faith and of the sound doctrine. You see, that's what pastors are to do. They're to be in the Bible. They're to be studying the word of God. Why? Because they have to be nourished. They have to be grounded in the words of the faith and of sound doctrine. Why did Paul say that? Well, because there was already in his day false doctrine infiltrating the churches. In fact, that's the reason why he wrote so many of his epistles was to counteract and to, to defend the truth against the false doctrine that had crept into the church. That's the why, one of the reasons why Revelation chapters 2 and 3 are written, where Jesus rebukes the churches for false doctrine and false living. Another thing that Paul said to Timothy was he said, make sure that scripture was read publicly to the church along with exhortation and teaching. You know, we don't see a whole lot of that today. 
A lot of churches never read the Bible out loud. Isn't that interesting that that happens? Paul also said to Timothy, Timothy, take pains with these things, these truths. He says, be absorbed in them. You know about the only thing we're absorbed in today is our smartphones. The only thing we're absorbed in today is, you know, our favorite TV series or our favorite movie or our favorite you know, person that we follow on Instagram or whatever, but we're not absorbed in the Word of God. Think about what that means for a second, to immerse yourself in the Bible, to baptize your mind into the Scriptures. That's that's what Paul told Timothy to do. And then he also says this, he says, Timothy, pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. And the reason he said that was because, Timothy, you're not above this. You're not above false teaching. You're not above falling away. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Make sure that you're constantly calibrating your teaching to the standard of the Word of God. Don't lower that standard. The world will lower the standard. The church will lower the standard. Denominations will lower the standard. But, Timothy, you've got to stay true to that standard which is the the truth that was once for all delivered to the saints, the Bible tells us in Titus. In his final letter to Timothy, listen to what he says. Paul further strengthens this exhortation. This is what he says. He says, Timothy, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Jesus Christ, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. Preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. Here's why, Timothy. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. Or one translation says, they'll no longer endure sound doctrine. They'll no longer pay pay attention or listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. So, Timothy, there's going to come a time when people will gather preachers and bloggers and podcasters and authors and traveling Christian speakers and They'll just go to hear them because they want to they want to be reinforced in what they already feel. And if that preacher or that teacher or that, that blogger, that podcaster says something that kind of cuts across the grain of popular Christian thought, or maybe steps on a few toes, or maybe declares the truth that's very unpopular in today's world, whether it's doctrinally or morally, eh, we may have to punt that guy, you know? And Paul says, no, that time's coming. And guess what, folks? That time is right now. Right now we are experiencing that. Where churches and even pastors, many pastors, are setting sound doctrine to the side so that they can tell people something that will make them feel good for the week. Paul goes on, he says, but you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry that God has given to you. 
You see, Paul's words make it clear that you have to be crazy or called by God in order to be a pastor these days. Clearly, the apostle believed that the study and the understanding and communication of God's truth was to be a high priority in the truth, uh, in the church rather. Even more so, considering the context of earlier words that he wrote to Timothy, where he said the Spirit explicitly says that in the latter times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. These later times that he speaks of refers to the time between Christ's first coming and when he returns for his bride. It's the time period we currently find ourselves in. And when Paul says some will fall away from the faith, it's, it's the word apostasy. It's, it's translated apostasy. And how does Paul say these people will desert the faith? He says, well, first of all, they're going to pay attention to deceitful spirits and to doctrines of demons. You say, oh, whoa, what's a doctrine of a demon? Well, some of these deceitful spirits include satisfying self and luring humanity away from God and his truth through these subtle little lies. That's, that's one of Satan's top strategies, by the way. In fact, Scripture says that he is called the one who deceives the whole world in the end times. That's Revelation 17, 9. The Bible calls him the father of lies in John 8, the God of this age in 2 Corinthians 4, and the ruler of demons who themselves also rule over darkness. In fact, the Bible says that Satan can transform himself into an angel of light. What does, it say? What does that mean? Well, what it means is, is that he regularly masquerades as a messenger of truth. That's what that means. That he, that he is a wolf coming in sheep's clothing into the body of Christ, whether that be, that be the body of Christ at large or a particular body, uh, local body of Christ in a church. But he masquerades as someone who's bringing you God's truth. But because you don't know the difference, he deceives you. See, that's the whole, that's the whole point. When you're deceived, you see, you don't know that you're deceived. <laughs> that's why you're deceived. So it's no surprise, the Bible says, that his servants, Satan's servants, impersonate servants of righteousness. And Paul says these messengers are in reality false apostles and deceitful workers you know Paul was was really serious about this you know why because Paul wanted to present the church as a pure virgin to Jesus the Bible says in 2nd Corinthians 11 that he betrothed the church to Christ in essence he wants to walk her down that aisle to see Jesus one day to be pure See, heretics, they don't fly into churches on brooms, you know. They don't maniacally mock scripture from the pulpit or terrorize the flock. They don't show up with, with horns on their heads and sinister smiles on their faces. No, they gain entrance into the fold through persuasive words, self-help principles, and charismatic personalities. They're very persuasive you know, you know, sometimes you know, I have a nonprofit ministry. That, that, that's what my ministry is. And occasionally, about twice a year, I find myself having to raise funds for different things, you know. And it's not easy to raise money these days because Christians, like everybody else in the world, 
are holding on to their money. And, you know, occasionally you'll have people that are very liberal in their giving and very, uh, very sacrificial and how I thank God for those people. But it's amazing to me how there are some people out there that are just masters at raising money. I mean, they can get on TV or get on the radio or, you know, podcasts like this and talk about a need and, and literally tens of thousands of dollars will come in. And what does it come in for? For a lot of these ministries, it's for these, these men who are, or women sometimes, who are masquerading as messengers of truth. These people are preaching a false gospel and yet they're raking in millions every year. It's amazing. It's like they have this supernatural ability to captivate people's minds to get money from them. And of course, a true minister of the gospel never does that. A true called minister of the gospel never manipulates people. He never guilts people into giving money. He simply presents the need and trusts that the Holy Spirit that's in him will speak to the same spirit that's in them. That spirit will be, be a kindred spirit in ministry and in vision. And those people will say, you know, what? I'm going to sacrifice something for this ministry. That's what was going on in Paul's day. They were impersonating apostles. And they were gaining these followings from people. And so they, they enter into our world with well-designed websites and blogs and bringing promises of personal utopia for their followers. They're well-groomed. They look good. They're attractive. They're smiling. They're likable. They're inspiring. They're convincing. And most of all, ready for this? They're marketable. That's right. They play well in today's media. Their mission is to make you happy, to make you feel good about yourself. They want to help you make the world a place of justice and love and peace and equality. Of course, they end up redefining a lot of these values and virtues according to their own definitions. Their portrayal of Jesus' love is like a magic blanket that somehow mutes all the other disturbing attributes of God or uncomfortable truths found in the Bible. They're heavy on the love of God, which God's love is amazing. But God is more than just an expression of love. There are many other attributes to God. These new teachers often reference Christ. They, they even reference scripture, but it's a new image of Christianity that they're peddling. They're not bound to that old archaic Bible, that restrictive narrow belief system that, I don't know, maybe your grandparents believed in or something like that. You know, they're, they're more enlightened now. And their authority is not the word of God. Their authority is their interpretation of the word of God. But you know, as sheep, as Jesus' disciples, we are convinced by the Scripture alone, not just by attractive teachers and whatever form they come. We have to be married to the Word of God because that leads us to the person of God. You see, those who follow Christ are the ones who will end up on the righteous side of history, right beside Him when He comes in glory. In the meantime, we see the waters of apostasy rising in our country and within the church and the Christian bookshelf on Amazon. And we have to know the difference between not just right and wrong, but what is righteous and what is deceptive. 
It's not the institution of Christianity that's at risk here. It's the soul of our faith. So what makes our faith distinct, brothers and sisters, from every other religion, belief system, and personal philosophy is the person of Jesus Christ, and the only way to know that person is through the Bible that he wrote. Detract from who he is, and you'll end up down a path that will lead you towards apostasy. So like a good sheep, listen, listen, he's speaking, he's speaking to you through his word. Follow him. Hey, we'll pick up next time with the Vintage Truth Podcast. Until then, have a great week. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Truth Podcast. Please subscribe and share with a friend. For more about Jeff's ministry, go to jeffkinley.com.